No worries. Um, apparently 50 is the new 40. Somebody told me that the other day. I don't really know what that means. But um, thank you for your kind wishes. Uh, I've spent the whole year um, thinking about turning 50. Um, <laughs> and now I've done it and they were done. And um, no, actually, and coming to terms with it and coming to, coming to a real amazing place of peace. I'm really excited about the future. I'm really excited about the future, but it's fun to celebrate. Um, today's talk is called, it's got quite a grand title. Can you put the first note? The problem with being a living sacrifice is it's too easy to crawl off the altar. That is the title of our talk today. Okay. It's very well, all very well being a dead sacrifice, isn't it? But that's not what we're about. If you're part of our church family, then you already know about some of the challenges currently facing us um, as a church. You'll have heard the, the talks that I've given the last couple of weeks and maybe read some of the updates in the e-press. If you're not part of our church, then I'll give you a little bit more information about that later. But just to say right now, we're, we, I particularly, we as a church are in the middle of a faith journey of an adventure with God. And today, I kind of mainly want to encourage us about how it is that we live in a place of uncertainty. When we can't obviously see the way things are going to work out, but we're still trying to keep and maintain a, a faith and a confidence and try and see things from a heavenly perspective, try and see what God's doing. So for example, if you've ever climbed a mountain, it's quite exciting to start with. You set out on... Um, is that going to work for me today? Can you move it on for me, please? I'm not... This is, for some reason, my clicker isn't working either. Um, you set off exciting adventure, full of enthusiasm. You know, it's going to be great. We're going to get to the top. You get halfway up the mountain. Um, the path is quite steep. The perspective has changed. The cloud is coming in. It starts to feel a little bit scary. Well, it does for me anyway, because I'm not very good with heights. You know, we're halfway up now, so we can't really turn around and go back. Um, so you've just got to keep pressing on to the summit. Um, but it's going to be a while before you get there and before you get to enjoy the amazing views, etc., um, etc. Et Sometimes when you're in a faith journey, it feels like that. It feels like you've started something, you're not quite sure where this is going or how we're going to get there or what the next step to take is. When Joe and I were in, now were in Birmingham about eight, nine years ago, um, we were in the middle of a faith journey. Uh, it was quite a big deal for us. We felt like God had told us there was a big change coming in our lives. We were very happy in what we were doing, very happy in our job, we were very happy with our, in the community we're in and we were with our kids, but we, we just kept sensing that God was saying there's more, there's something else. And we didn't know what it was, but we felt like what we were doing was coming to an end, but we just couldn't get any clarity. I just kind of kept praying and I just kept not really getting anywhere until I realised that what God was asking us to do was to actually take the first step and kind of effectively basically quit our job and say, actually, we're going to stop this and we think that God's got something else to, 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 to give us or to do with us, but we don't, we don't know what it is. So it just, it just felt like the right move. It felt like something was coming to an end and something else was starting and we didn't know what that other thing was. And so we did. We quit our job and then we sat there going, oh, help God, you know? And actually, the way we dealt with this practically was very simple. We would go for a grumpy walk around the park about once a week. And when I say grumpy, it was like, oh, how are you feeling? Rubbish. Why? Because this wasn't just me and me, this was both of us. Not usually at the same time, but sometimes. How, how are you feeling? Rubbish. Why? Because I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, well, what's your concern today? Well, I'm worried about the kids today. Or, well, I'm worried about our job today. Well, I'm worried about our house today. I don't know how this is going. It felt like we were, 
use this, treat this image carefully. It felt like we were trapeze artists who had let go of one trapeze and were flying through the air, not quite sure if the next trapeze was going to come at the right moment where we could catch it. Do you get me? And also not quite sure if there was a safety net underneath. That's how it felt. A lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. Genuinely concerned about what's coming next. You know, loads and loads of practical questions. Um, and actually, what happened in the end was that the journey led us to here and to come and be part of this church. But even then, once we knew this was where we were coming, it still didn't finish. There was houses to sell and houses to rent and schools to find and council tax to register for. And just, it just went, it went on and on and on. And the real takeaway for us, so at some point in that, um, in that process, somebody sort of gave me a picture and he said, it's like stepping stones and you just have to take the next step. And all you can do is take the next step. And it reminded me of something I heard once. Well, I say I read it, but I don't think I've ever read this book because I think I'm scared of it. It's an old book called Celebration of Discipline, but I've met people who've read it. And they told me that it, <laughs> they, told, they told me it said this thing, which is that what you have to do is say, yeah, to practice not being in control, you have to say every day or maybe every hour, I'm not in control and that's okay. It reminded me of that. And as I look back on that journey now, I just laugh because God brought us through the whole thing. But we lived through that for, well, best part of a year probably, I think, of just not quite knowing where it was going and what was the next thing and how we were going to get there. And it's easy to look at a journey like that with perspective that I've got now because I look back and think, oh yeah, God was in charge and everything was fine. And, you know, but in the middle of it, that wasn't the case. I mean, it was the case. It was the truth that God was in charge, but that's not how we felt every day. And we needed that day, a week, every week, just to go around the park and go, I'm not feeling great. No, I'm not feeling great either. What are we going to do? I don't really know. What are our options? Don't really know. Okay, we better, we better, we better pray. Um, God, we trust you just going to say that we trust you with this even though we don't feel it we're going to just pray what we know to be true from the bible and from our heads and we went through that experience and being in a faith journey when you're in the middle of it is completely different to when you've come through the other side right you some of you know this many of you know this because you've experienced something like this too and in our church right now we are in a faith journey we're short of money and we've called a special offering next week and i'll give you some more information about that in a few minutes and we are asking god how we respond and genuinely, we don't know what's going to happen. But I, for one, want to embrace the challenge and live with a perspective of faith so that I can learn everything about myself and about God as we go through this journey together, everything that he wants to teach me. And what I want to say applies to all of us as a church family in this current season together. And it also applies to all of us as individuals facing our own personal mountains or journeys whatever that looks like. Can you, I'm just going to have to say click, Buzzy, and you'll have to move it on. Is that all right? Thank you. So when things are tough, I believe God, first and foremost, is a father who wants to be with us in the tough times. You know, the God I know and love is a generous and kind father. And like any good father, he wants to provide. But like, also like any good father, he wants to do more than that. You know, when my children come to me and they say, Dad, I need some help with my maths homework. I go, okay, what help do you need? And they say, what is the answer to this? And I say, well, that's an interesting question. Um, and I'm not stalling for time because I don't know the answer, although that could be the case. What I'm actually saying is, well, well, what do you think the answer is? 
And they say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, tell me, tell me a bit more. Give me the context. What, do you, what, what are you thinking? Tell me how you're, how you're approaching this. Dad, I just want the answer. I don't, want you, I don't want a conversation. I don't want a dialogue. I don't want you to teach me anything. I just want you to tell me the answer so I can write it down and hand the homework in tomorrow. Has that ever happened to anybody else or is it just me? And I'm like, I don't just want, I could tell you the answer, but actually you're not going to learn anything if I just tell you the answer. There's a, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a relationship here that I want to be part of and there's some learning that needs to go on in this context. And so when my kids are in trouble or in need, yes, I want to provide for them. Yes, I, I really want to help, but I, I want to be close to them as they learn and grow. I want to walk with them through difficult times and I believe that's what God wants to do with us. And so that's true of our church at this time and it's true for each of us in our own lives. So, you know, what is the main thing that you are struggling with or that we are struggling with in our lives right now? You know, is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it uncertainty or stress? Is it marriage stuff? Is it relationships, mental health, physical health? Whatever, is it fear of the future? Is it money? The question isn't what we're going through. The question is how are we allowing or even inviting God to walk through this with us? Because whatever our situation is, however challenging it is, if we're purporting to be believers and followers of Jesus Christ, then we need to have him walking through these challenges with us. And we need to allow him to do that. Give him permission to do that. Or, because if we're not doing that, then really what we're just trying to do is fix the thing in our own wisdom. Oh, I've got this problem. I'll just apply the best logic to it and um, we'll see if we can get through. Or I'll just work harder and we'll see if we can get through. I believe that there's a faith journey to press into. And I think when we do that, it brings us closer to God. So click for me. Um, somebody shared a word with us uh, last two or three weeks ago, somebody from the church, a prophetic word. She said this, I sense the Father wants to draw us closer into understanding ourselves as sons and daughters throughout this time and really establish us in that. Sons and daughters know who they are and know who the Father is. Um, click for me one more time. I took Joe to the cinema on Friday and we went to see the film of Downton Abbey. How many Downton fans here? Yeah, a few of you. I have to say, I'm, I was not, I'm not really a fan of the TV series, not really watched it all, but quite enjoyed the film. And um, I was really blown away by it. If you look at these, all the characters in the middle line are the kind of family who live. Um, I'm not making social comment on you know, the 1920s and how that all was. Um, it's a great story. And then the people in front and the people at the back are all the kind of servants. So it's, it's very much the hot sort of above stairs and below stairs thing. Um, what I really noticed about this film was that those who are part of the family just know that they're part of the family. They don't worry about anything. They know what they've got. They know what they inherit. They know the resources that are available to them. They don't particularly have to work hard to get it. I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was really interesting to know. It's all about identity. Well, for me it is anyway, but then I'm sad and geeky and that's how I see films. I always look for the angle in a film and that's what I noticed about Downton Abbey because the same is true for us. Because we've been adopted into God's family and we don't have to work our butts off just to achieve things. You know, we know who we are. We're in the family. That means we have access to the resources of the Father. And as I said last week, click for me, um, God will generously provide and then we'll have 
always have everything we need and plenty left over to share with others. God is a God of provision. And uh, one more for me, Buzzy. Another one I've showed you in the last two or three weeks is this, that I felt like God spoke to me about being covered by the wings of God. Under his wings you'll find refuge. And then this other verse which says that underneath us are the everlasting arms. And so we're kind of, whichever way you want to look at it, whether you're looking up or down, God is in control and we're in a safe place. And so our situation as a church is this, um, in case you haven't caught up. Um, financially, we have a significant shortfall in our general income uh, for 2019. It leaves a, quite a stark gap between the budget that we set for this year and our actual income. And as well as that, we're facing an urgent need to replace our flat roof, ideally before the winter, in order to avoid further damage to the building. Someone asked me this week, do you and the trustees know how this happened and are you taking steps to try and make sure it doesn't happen again? And that's a fair question. And the answer is we're working on it. And yes, we think so. Or we have a good idea about why. And with our best wisdom, we are looking for to take measures as best as we can. You see, I think what's happened is we've seen a gradual decrease in our regular tithes and offerings. I think it's been going on for the last two years or so. And I think it's been masked or we haven't seen it very clearly, partly because of the building project, partly because we've changed our finance system um, and one or two other reasons to do with them. Um, GDPR and gift aid. We claimed a whole lot of extra gift aid last year. So practical things which the trustees are looking at. We suspect it's a general downturn and I suspect it's happened because people who were church members and givers here have just moved away for various reasons and perhaps others who've come haven't yet had the opportunity to set up standing orders or give consistently. It could also be that people who come to this church and who sort of their aim is to give a certain percentage, maybe it's 10%, um, but it could be that actually as inflation goes on and we get paid more, because we get pay increases or whatever, we just don't catch up with the admin. And so it could be that the actual percentage that we're giving us drop. There are a bunch of reasons we've looked at them. The amount that we receive each month actually does really fluctuate. It's pretty cyclical. It seems to go up and down. We, we reckon as best we can tell on a three-month cycle, we still haven't, the trustees still haven't worked out why that is or how that works. Um, it, it can be a bit unpredictable, but we're, we're digging a bit more into the figures to try and do some more analysis. So in our human wisdom, we are trying to do the best job we can, and we do have some excellent trustees. Um, but as I said last week, move it on for me, Buzzy, God doesn't need our money but he really wants our hearts. This is more than about just a shortfall in the money. And through the summer as leaders, we've been, praying on the, we've been on this journey, we've been praying and listening to God. And some of you have prayed with us and we're meeting again this evening, as Amy said, about 6.30 tonight for breakthrough prayer while the youth hunger worship event is on. Um, come and pray. Every time we've got together and prayed, we have sensed the Lord's closeness, we have sensed his favour, we have heard his voice. And we sense that he is, he is, he is, we are where he wants us to be, which is near to him on this journey. And we've sensed him through that time show us that the holes in the roof are more than just physical holes. That actually he wants us to pay attention to our spiritual covering. And so as well as the obvious financial needs, we felt challenged to respond in strengthening our prayer life and also by investing in community in relationships and community, both for single people and for married people across the church family. You know, on that Winchester Vineyard, we have to be a place of strong relationships. Strong relationships with God and strong relationships with each other. It is just too easy 
to live a Christian life which basically looks like we've got everything together, looks like our relationships are going fine on the surface, looks like we're in a good place with God when actually we're feeling isolated or struggling inside and we don't even feel like we've got a way to say that or to be real. That, that situation really, really concerns us. It concerns me when I meet people, from, as we do from time to time, for whom that is a reality. You know, on the surface you think everything's fine, and actually behind the scenes it's just not fine and people haven't either got the place or they don't feel safe enough or for whatever reason they're not in a place where they can just be real with one another. That really concerns me and we're paying attention to that because it's our heart that this church is that, a place where that can. By the way, if that describes your situation, there's help available and today. And we've started to address these issues and we intend to press into them over the next few months even years. Um, but specifically in response to the financial challenge, as I said, next Sunday we're holding a special heart offering. It's a one-off opportunity for the church family to give over and above regular tithes in order to help with this current situation. And as we've been praying through this recent situation, we've been really encouraged by God's presence with us. And particularly by some of the words that we have heard him say about faith and provision. Next slide for me. The next... so. Can you move it on for me, please, Buzz? Um, one of our leaders shared a picture with us recently. She said, I had a picture of a heavenly ladder rising through the clouds. And the, the encouragement of the Lord was to take the next step of faith and to go beyond where we've gone before. This isn't quite accurate because the ladder that she described, um, it only had rungs going up a certain distance and then there weren't any rungs. And the, the whole, I couldn't find a picture like that on the internet. But... Um, the, the idea was that as we took the steps, so the rungs appeared. Another friend who's somebody actually from a completely different part of the UK, who isn't aware of any of our situation, um, but somebody who had some dreams about our church and sent us um, sort of um, a few things actually, some prophetic words. Just move it on for me, Buzz. He said this, there is a much greater heavenly provision available than you perhaps realise. This is the platform for potential heavenly outcomes. God sees our desire for heaven's answers and heaven's wisdom. I love that because I really don't want to be about our own answers and our own wisdom. I love that God is encouraging us that in this time, he has wisdom and he has answers. And this is a platform for him to look good. This is about making God look good. Yeah, and one other word, just like one last one. Next one, Buzz. He also said this to me. Um, next one, please, Buzz. Oh, I feel Jesus wants to remind Winston Vineyard to avoid the numbers game. Pursue God, hear God, do what He's saying, and leave the numbers to Him. So this this encouragement that we are receiving, these are just some words that we've received from outside that confirm what we already sensed the Lord was saying, which is to look at this whole season through the issue, through the, chat, through the lens, sorry, of faith and provision. What do I mean by faith? Next slide for me, please. You'll know this passage in Hebrews, most likely. It's very well known. It's Hebrews chapter one and verse one. And it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Or the version on there says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. <coughs> faith is looking at a future that isn't physically visible 
but seeing it through heaven's eyes and heaven's perspective. It's knowing what God, or sensing what God has said and having the confidence to act as if it was true. I'm not talking about magic or wizardry or imagination, (coughs) but faith and trust. Knowing our identity as sons and daughters of the living God and acting as if that identity was actually true, which it is. And that's easy to say, but it's not always easy to do, is it? He is our father. He will act on our behalf. He has good plans and he loves us. We don't know the end of this journey. That's why it's called a faith journey. You know, this chapter in Hebrews 11, it cites a whole load of heroes of the Old Testament, heroes of faith. And one of the first people it talks about is Abraham. And Abraham's story was that he left one place because he felt like God was prompting him to. And he wandered and he wandered and he wandered until he got to a brand new place. And all the way through those wanderings, he was finding himself probably asking the same kind of questions that I referred to earlier. Where are we going? How is it going to work out? Are we going to be safe? Is God going to look after us in this? You know, on Abraham's story, he got to a couple of, this happened a couple of times. He got to one place and he was so fearful at what the, the king of this town, would, this country would do, that he basically took his wife and he gave his wife to the king. He passed her off as his sister. He said, this is my sister. You have her in your household and, and we'll stay safe. Now, I don't know about your family, but that would be a problem in my family if that happened. <laughs> but when Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Abraham, they don't mention that at all. They don't talk about any of that. Abraham is just this great hero of the faith. He doesn't even talk about the struggles and the difficulty he had in the middle of his faith journey. It just looks back and says, this is a guy who acted with incredible, incredible faith. And so, so I'm kind of encouraged that the struggles and the questions that I'm going through, you know, are, God can cope with all of those. And that when I look back on this time in my life, I want to be looking back and saying, we did it. We, we pushed through. We climbed the mountain. We finished the journey. We finished the story. We dealt with the, the questions and we dealt with the fear and we just moved through and we trusted God. We do love to be in control, don't we? Oh, come on. I mean, I do. You can lie if you like. But <laughs> we love to be in control. How many of us are actually in a faith journey like this right now? Yeah, thank you for the honest ones. (laughs) And tons of us are, in many ways. This describes our lives, holding unto God. Sometimes it's for smaller things, sometimes it's for massive things. And our perspective is so different if we're in the middle of it. And a friend of mine used to say, I just have to trust in God's ability to lead more than my ability to follow. He can lead us. He can do this. So there's a story in 2 Kings 6 about Elisha and his servant. Just uh, put the next one. There you go. The the context of this is um, that they are are surrounded by an army and the servant is quite fearful. And Elisha is with his servant and this is what happens. The servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning And an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? I think that's probably an understatement, but there we go. Oh dear, what shall we do? I mean, you know, it's probably looking at imminent death. Certainly capture. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more 
than those who are with them. And I can imagine the servant going, sorry, what? There's like three of us. There's a few of us here and there's a massive army around there. And you can, I can imagine Elisha going, oh Lord, open his eyes so that he might see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Put the next slide on for me, Buzzy. Open his eyes so that he can see. And my prayer is, Lord, open my eyes so that I can see. Open our eyes so that we can see. That whilst there might be challenges and struggles up ahead of us, there is an army of the Lord's angels and the resources of heaven available to us. So whatever your situation or your circumstance or your fear, I'd just love us to pray right now. Can we do that? I'm not done, but I just want to take a moment. So why don't you just bring this, whatever it is that's going on with you, why don't you just bring that before the Lord? Whatever the challenge is, whatever the struggle And then why don't you echo this prayer? And the prayer is, Lord, please open my eyes so that I can see the resources of heaven available to me to face this challenge and walk with faith through this season and into the next one. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what you're doing in our midst. And give us hearts of faith. Hearts of faith that will trust you. And will turn to you. And if necessary will cling to you. As we face whatever uncertainties and stresses and difficulties we've got going on right now. Open our eyes Lord we pray. In Jesus name. Amen. So just a couple of suggestions about how we might push into this faith perspective. Because all of this sounds great, doesn't it? But you know, how do we stay on track with this practically? Is it just a case of willpower? Is it, is it a case of discipline? Is it a case of retraining our brains? I want to make three brief biblical suggestions about how we press into a heavenly mindset and grow in faith. And um, next one for me, please, Buzz. The first one is to focus on Jesus. The very next chapter of Hebrews, we've read the bit on faith from Hebrews 11. Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. What does that passage call Jesus? The pioneer and perfecter of faith. If you want an example of faith and how to live this way you could do no better than looking at Jesus he is the ultimate and definitive example of how to do a life of faith and godliness you know if you're in the art world or maybe if you're in the banknote world um, you have people who are specially trained to spot forgeries I don't know how they do it but they do how do you spot a forgery when you, when you talk to them? And you've probably got computer programs now, I guess. But 
back in the day they had people who were specially trained. And when you said, well, how do you spot a forgery? The answer is, the way to spot forgeries is to spend a long time every day looking at the original. You gaze at the original and you can easily spot anything that isn't the original. How do we keep a faith perspective in our life? It's by gazing at Jesus, by looking at our definitive example. And this passage suggests how we do that. It's pretty easy to do if we just throw off sin. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, but that's a purposeful thing to do. You know, we talked earlier in the year actually about consecration and about holiness and about doing the things that we can do in our lives to live a kind of set apart existence. I find the best way to focus on Jesus is to avoid sin. And I also find the best way to avoid sin is to focus on Jesus. A guy called Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer. It's just that I never really go more than half an hour without praying. You know, we had our reset week. Our intention was to try and encourage all of us to keep resetting our lives and our patterns so we keep that vital connection with God. Whatever that looks like for you, however that works for you, there are tons of different ways to do it. You can pray the set prayers, prayers of examine, you can look at Bible notes, you can listen to worship seeds, whatever it is that, that helps you keep that vital connection with God, our encouragement is to do it. Because when we focus on Jesus, our faith grows and we are reminded of his perspective and we are comforted by his presence. So that was number one. Number two is focus on truth. John chapter 8 says, if you hold to my teaching, Jesus says, then you're really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And knowing the truth about God and about who we are is massive because when we know it, and I mean really know it, that's when our faith grows. I don't know about you, but I find that this is a battle. It's a battle to keep truth at the forefront of my mind particularly when, when I live in a culture where there's so many messages and ideas and so much can come, come in. There's a sort of, a, I feel bombarded most days by ideas and messages coming from all quarters. My, my thinking is challenged, my perspective is challenged, my faith is challenged and how successfully I get through that depends on how much of God's truth I can keep at the forefront of my mind from week to week. Can anybody else relate to this or is it just me? You know, there's a computer, pro computer programmers have a saying, um, Geigo, isn't it? Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah? Whatever you put in is what comes out. It's logic and computer programming. But actually, it's true of our brains too. And even the Bible has something to say about that. In Philippians 4, when Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about this. I have found... Very simply, that as I'm getting ready in the morning, putting on one or two songs of a worship playlist that I have going completely changes my perspective on the day. It's just, just me. Whatever it is for you, get the truth in. We've been doing this year of biblical literacy so we can know and understand God's word and apply it to our lives. And learning to read and understand it is not so we can get theology certificates, not so we can be big brain Bible bashers. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? I thought of that. Um, but so that we will know the maker, we'll know his truth, and the truth will live and reside in our bones. 
and uh, whether you've, you know, if, you, if this is something you really struggle with, we have a brilliant Streams of Hope team. Streams of Life, no? Streams of Hope, sorry, I'm all over the place. Streams of Hope team. We have a Sozo ministry. All sorts of tools are available to help us understand God's truth and deal with the lies that we're hearing and experiencing, be it freedom in Christ, restoring the foundations. But the narrative in our heads needs to be one that comes, that has God's truth at the forefront. So we need to know Jesus, focus on Jesus, we need to focus on the truth. And lastly, we need to die to ourselves. We need to pay the cost. Therefore, Romans, Paul says in Romans, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. What is a living sacrifice? What does that mean? Well, it means dying to parts of ourselves, being prepared to be less comfortable for the greater outcomes that we know will come. So one more slide for me. And as I said at the beginning, the trouble with being a living sacrifice is that it's just too easy to crawl off the altar. And so what is this journey going to cost us? And I'm not talking about being martyrs for the sake of it or doing things for the wrong reasons. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about dying to self in the way that Jesus invites us to. I'm not talking about some sort of bravado and, hey, I can do this. I'm talking about what has God said and how do I respond to that? And our example in this is Jesus. I mean, he gave the ultimate sacrifice. We're going to celebrate communion in a minute. And when we do that, we remember Jesus' death on the cross. He gave it all. He gave everything. And so if we want to follow him and we want to look at him and we want to get his perspective and do this journey with him, then we are going to need to be prepared to pay a cost ourselves. And that cost is probably going to have to be something that's going to cost us. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a cost. It wouldn't be a sacrifice. You know, if I want good relationships, there's a cost. In my marriage, there's a cost. If we're in conflict, one of us has to be the first person to back down. Usually it's me. No, I didn't mean that. (laughs) Sometimes it's me. Even if it's not my fault, the cost is being prepared to swallow your pride and deal with your, you know, just dignity and just say, I'm sorry, and back down. It's worth it for the outcomes. How many of you have been through a detox of any kind? You know, you kind of stop eating a bunch of stuff and you just basically eat carrot juice for a few days or whatever it is. Um, It seems to me that people who detox like that, there is a cost which feels very uncomfortable and quite different. But why do we do it? Because we know there's a greater reward at the end of it. And that's what a sacrifice is. Like giving up caffeine for a few days because everyone says that when you've done that, you feel great. But it's really uncomfortable to start with and it costs you something, doesn't it? And giving our money away might make us feel more vulnerable in the short term. We might just think, well, I haven't got that buffer in my bank account anymore. I haven't got that tenor in my pocket anymore because I've given it away. And now I'm not sure what I will do if I get into difficulty. There is a cost to living a life of faith. I might have to do without a few luxuries that I'm kind of quite used to. But there's also a massive outcome a bigger outcome. And I, for one, want to have the satisfaction of knowing that I'm living close to God, that I'm in relationship with him, that I'm responding to his call, that I'm watching him provide, that I'm living from that place of peace and identity and I'm in the flow of his will. Can you imagine if everybody chose to live that way? That would be such fun and a bit crazy. (laughs) 
Imagine the effect if everyone acted on this teaching and placed their lives and their time and their energy and their relationships and their work and their families and their marriage and yes, their money on the altar before God and simply invited him to come and use them for his greater kingdom purposes. What would it be like if that happened? Wouldn't that be amazing? Imagine how close to God we would be as a church if we did that. Imagine how close to God we as a church would be if we did that collectively together. If we came and brought the stuff that we don't need and said, here you are God, use it. We want to live this adventure. We want to live this journey. I don't want the buffer. I don't want it anymore. I just want me and you. So what does that mean? What does it mean for us to crawl back onto the altar? Or maybe just not even crawl, maybe jump onto the altar. I just do wonder, I promise you I'm almost done. I wonder if God is using this situation to teach us something as a church. I wonder if being tight on money brings us back to a place of exercising faith. I once heard someone teach that faith is like a muscle, that you have to exercise it and then you have to grow it. And I wonder if what God is doing in this season is engaging our faith now in preparation for a future when he might want us to engage our faith even more and stretch our faith even more. What if God has something really big for us as a church in the future? Something that would take an enormous amount of faith to reach. Do you believe that God has bigger plans than we do? Because I really do. Thank you. Bless you, Mark. Yeah, you told me that bit anyway. You know that. I've put this in. Mark said this to me the other week, and now I'm preaching Mark Isles. There you go. Sorry. Thank you. I believe that God has bigger plans than we do, and I trust his ability to lead. And so why not ask God, how is it that I can be on the altar, making a sacrifice, doing something that's going to cost me for the kingdom, for your purposes, and to bring about blessing? How about it? How about it? Are you up for that? I am really up for that. I want to say one more thing before we finish, and that's this. Um, last week I apologised to you because as your pastor, who is responsible for the preaching here, I've not brought this subject of money in front of us as much as I should have. And that's my bad. And I admitted that last week. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing to talk about money. I, just don't, I don't want to be the kind of pastor who's always going on about money. But I think in not doing that and avoiding that, we've, I think we've deprived some of us of the opportunity to be reminded and challenged about how we handle our money and possibly even missed out on a blessing of giving. Because the Bible has tons to say about that. And as Joe and I have reflected this week, we have realised that for some time now, we haven't profiled our offering, our Sunday offering, in a way that perhaps we could have. So you may have noticed Amy used some different words today, and that was intentional. You see, we take an offering every week as part of our worship and it sometimes feels a bit like an extra, a bit like a bolt-on and maybe we don't help that with our language. Maybe you don't notice this, maybe you don't think about it, maybe you give online so it doesn't feel a bit redundant anyway maybe but actually our offering, our Sunday offering is a massive part of church life and it's very significant. So practically, the money that you guys give every week, whether it's by cash in the offering or card through the website or standing order through the bank, Whichever way you do it, it's really important and it enables us to open this building up every Sunday for worship and through the week for loads of other events. Our offering enables us to pay our staff. Our operations team are employed to keep the building and the activities running smoothly and make sure communications are helpful. 
Our pastoral team are employed to take a lead in discipleship and invest in people's lives and to lead and train and teach and preach and multiply, sorry, organise volunteer teams and create incredible children's and youth ministries that happen here every Sunday. Our paid staff don't do this on their own, but their time goes towards training and facilitating all of this. And so the money that you give every week enables us to pay our staff to run our building, to turn on the lights, heat the water, provide the coffee, clean the rooms and fix the stuff that goes wrong and make sure we have equipment to to make church happen, to make ministry happen. And our financial resources are essential to help us live out our vision, which is to welcome guests and gather for worship and experience God's healing and transformation and be empowered to go and make a difference. And everyone who partners with us financially, no matter how big or small, is part of making that vision a reality. And many of you give through regular tithes and offerings and we're incredibly grateful because the church is blessed and by giving you are blessed and all of us get to be part of this adventure. But I want to apologise to you because we haven't always communicated this in the way that we've taken on power offerings. Sometimes I've been a bit embarrassed, sometimes it's been a bit awkward, sometimes we've just forgotten. I've watched our students pass the, stewards pass the offering bags along and sometimes it feels a bit weird. But do you know what? The offering enables us as part of our worship to partner with God practically in all he wants us to do. You know, we sing our songs and we engage with his truth and we feel his presence and we connect with his heart and it's wonderful. And then from that place, that's where we give. We effectively put our money where our mouth is. And so we're saying through our offering that God isn't just the God of our Sunday morning worship, it's the God of our whole life and the way that we live it out through, through every part of community and society. And our regular weekly offering is one of the most sacred and meaningful parts of the service. And I don't think that we have given it any kind of the profile or value that we should have done, and I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? Thank you. It says in Exodus, everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord. And there are some um, envelopes on your chairs and we would love you to take one of those and we'd love you to pray about it and to bring it back next week. And there are a number of ways that you can give and all the details are on there and they're in the e-press. So I'm not going to go into details of that. But just the last thing to say is that we obviously don't know how much will come in. Let's put one more slide on for me, Buzz. Um, Sorry, next one. That's it. But the first 10% that is given, we will give to mission. And we'll give you an update on a couple of our mission partners next week. And 30,000 will replace the deficit in our budget. And 60,000 will replace the roof completely. And another 75 will finish the whole of the building project. I don't know what God wants to do. I just want to leave it up to him. And there are tons of ways to give practically. And that's all on the envelope. And with our human eyes, we don't know what will happen. But our trustees will use their best prayers and wisdom And my encouragement to all of us is that God doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. We know this is true. We know what he promises us. And so my very last slide, can you put the last one on for me? It says, what would it take to fully leap in to what God is doing? How can I embrace the challenge and step out of my comfort zone and go further than I've ever gone before in my own faith journey, knowing and trusting that God has got my back? And experiencing the blessing that comes from being in such close partnership with him. What is the sacrifice God is asking us to make? Why don't you stand? We're going to celebrate communion together. Which is a brilliant way of finishing this talk, actually. Because this is all about sacrifice. And communion is where we remember Jesus' sacrifice. So those who are coming to help distribute communion, perhaps you could come down. And the band, perhaps you can come up as well.
And as we come to communion, I just want to read one verse. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus said, I'm making a sacrifice and if you're following me, I'd love you to make a sacrifice as well. And actually following Jesus is about dying to ourselves. But we can only do that because of the sacrifice he made. So as you come to communion this morning, we're going to remember his body broken for us on the cross. We're going to remember his blood shed for us on the cross. We're going to give thanks and and remember in the way that he encouraged us and taught us to. And as you do that, I love us to just pray, Lord, what is my response here? What is my response to your incredible sacrifice for me? Come and meet us in this place, we pray, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for, Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for your body broken for us and your blood shed for us. We thank you that when you did that, you did it for us, not for yourself, but for us. I thank you that through your death on the cross, we are saved and we are healed and we are made clean. And as we come to remember that this morning, would you meet with us and show us how you're calling us to respond to your words in this time and this season. Lord, we want to put ourselves back on the altar and we want to make a sacrifice too. Now show us what that is and walk through this journey of faith with us, Lord. We welcome you and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So just practically, if you've not been here before, uh, what we do is we uh, take some bread and we dip it in the juice. And if you need gluten-free bread, that's over here on this front corner, but you can go to any of the four corners of the room. Um, And just take this opportunity when you're ready to go and receive communion. And then maybe take a moment or two just to ask the Lord what he's saying to you and how you might respond in this moment as well. Amen. Go for it.